Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. And you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cent. You can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. We were talking about Geronimo the alpaca before the news there and someone's texting to say, sounds like Geronimo is being treated desperately in the UK. He should alpaca his bags and get out of there. Boom, boom. So should that joke. Uh, anyway, bar- did I have to say Barbara and Declan join us once again? Good afternoon to you both. Hello. Hello. How are you? Right, here is your first question. Yes. Uh, this is maybe a slightly sad one. My husband's parents both died within a year of each other and we got the ha- I'm saying slightly sad that's, yeah it's <laughs> hard to see a jolly aspect in that my husband's parents both died within a year of each other and we got their house in the will which we moved into about three years ago it's fantastic much bigger than our previous house we both feel blessed to be here however my husband doesn't want anyone using his parents bedroom we sleep in a different room and, and our kids share the third bedroom He says he isn't ready for anyone to use the master. He won't even let me clear out the clothing from the wardrobes. When he's showing people around our home, he doesn't bring them in there and he tells the kids not to disturb it or play in it. I'm sure that it's become a bit of a shrine at this point. He barely lets me in to dust it or clean it. I don't want to be insensitive, but surely we all need to move on. Mm. God. um, Yeah. I mean... From the letter, I'm assuming that obviously the parents died more than three years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. And in fact, one of them probably died at least four years ago. Um, so the husband, although I know we all grieve in different ways, the fact of that amount of time has 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 elapsed since the death of, of his parents would make this behaviour to me seem a little bit problematic. Like mm. that there is, he's certainly... Um, uh, three years is yeah is you know he should have moved on a little bit from that but again like as we're often saying on this slot I kind of wonder did the wife or has she sat down and really talked to him about this you know sometimes I think situations just kind of develop in relationships or within families and everybody kind of just accepts you know in this case like dad's gone a bit odd about the room and so nobody really discusses it but I think she as his partner she really needs to sit down and have a very, you know, um, gentle conversation with him to try and probe as to what it is that's actually stopping him from mm. using the room and particularly from clearing it out of the clothes. Yeah. Um, I know that's one of the most awful things to do after somebody dies, but it is an important kind of and you do it when you're ready. But there is a catharsis in it as well yeah, when you absolutely. do that. You know, yeah. it's kind of like an acceptance that the person has gone and, and you know, you pass on or you get rid of the clothes or you do you do whatever um, you need to do. So I think as her as the wife here, she really needs to try and probe with the husband as to why he is stuck. Why is he finding it so difficult to move on? The other thing that's obviously going to happen, probably well, not obviously, but most likely is going to happen. I don't know how many kids they have. I'm assuming it's two who are sharing the other room. Yeah. They'll probably get to a stage where they need that extra bedroom. Yeah. Um, you know, because the kids perhaps, you know, will need more room to study or something like that. And it would make sense for them to, to be in separate rooms. So I think that this will have to be resolved um, uh, in the in the near future. Um, I mean, if if she can't herself manage to help him to move forward, it might be a case that he needs to have some bereavement counselling to help him move forward. But clearly he is stuck in a place that's not healthy for him outside of the fact that, you know, having this room as a kind of shrine three years later 
to me seems a little yeah. bit, you know, over I, the top. Yeah, I wonder too is if this is his parents' house, is this the house he grew up in? Probably, yeah. Uh, and if, you know, if the kids are small, they, you know, they, he these, this is a couple who might be in their 30s, say. So, you know, his parents both died within a year with each other, relatively Premature, young. Premature, yeah. Uh, mm. So there's a lot of shock there. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk about it or isn't ready to talk about it yet. Yeah, and, I think... And I it's think... kind of weird to be moving into your parents' house when they both died. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, though, I would imagine that's the way it's been for centuries that people move into the house or people or they're in the yeah. house already. Um, and yes, I, everything you say, Barbara, I agree with. I, I, I'd be really interested to know two things. I'd, I'd really like to know what the, 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 the letter writer's relationship was like with her husband's parents because it seems to me that um, she and her husband, I mean, again, I'm assuming that it's a she, uh, that they are in different kind of worlds. He's living in the kind of the world of the emotional and the kind of, he's like either processing or not processing those emotions and she seems to be in the kind of practical head of like well you know we've got a house it's lovely we've got our own things to be doing and this is a big house and it's a waste for that room not to be used and all those things in order to function fully in life you need to be able to kind of live in both those zones you know without one Mm. of them taking over Um, and I wonder whether or not she's kind of coming on to him as being a little bit too practical and wanting to to, you know to get these things done and I know what you want I mean but I don't want to give you that yet so there's a bit of a kind of an emotional standoff for him and so maybe it it isn't going to be something that they can resolve through a conversation together because their their wants in the scenario are so diametrically opposed I agree with you completely that I think he does need grief counselling um, I think anybody who's been through grief knows that it's a it's a really strange, bizarre process that doesn't um, marry very well with the practical because, you know, no you're dealing with you're dealing with all sorts of things. Sometimes you're de- you're processing your own mortality and it feels selfish. Mm. Sometimes you're living in the world of nostalgia and you're just thinking about the way things used to be and you want them, you know, you don't want things to change like that famous poem about, you know, stop the clocks. People want to stay in a moment. Unfortunately, it's the real world's job and your other friend's job to keep the world moving along, to kind of force you to kind of to shift. Yeah. Slowly, painfully, whatever, but you get there. And it is that catharsis. Yeah, you need to sometimes be brave enough to to jump into that. And I think, unfortunately, for the guy is that he's not he's not verbalising what it is he feels. And he's getting a bit Mrs. Haversham about the whole thing. He's kind of locking the door down, putting all the pain away in one room. And that is clearly... That's not good for him, though, either. Absolutely. You know, oh, no. I mean, Absolutely it's not, not just not good no. for the family on a practical no. level. It's not good. It's not good for him either. But actually, what you said is interesting when you said that the parents were probably quite young and died prematurely. Because I think in a lot of cases when parents die and if, if, if one of the kids inherits the house and moves in, the first thing they do is try to bring it up to, you know, kind of up to modern speed. Yes. Because very yeah, often get rid it's of a all very, the green bathroom you know, sets. Yeah. yeah, it's a very yeah. 1970s <laughs> vibe. Yeah. But obviously, if they were younger, maybe the house is quite acceptable yeah. the way it is. So that's not helping him move on either. You know, there is an element of trying God. to put your own mark on the house and all that kind of stuff. But there's lots of ways in which he could honour the parents within the house without him having to take over the whole bedroom, you know. Um, but I, I know, it's probably even... He doesn't even want to go because if that's the house he grew up in, yeah. every time he goes in it, he's you know he's a little boy again. Yeah, exactly. Mommy and daddy, it's it's it's. 
Yeah, unfortunately, really probably, yeah, he does. I think you're right. I think he definitely does need maybe some grief. Because counsel. even yeah. it's, it's about her relationship with the parents as well, because if she's not kind of bringing in the parents into the conversation on a regular basis, if there isn't that kind of yeah. memorialisation happening in a natural way, then yeah. there has to be this kind of elaborate, you yeah. know, because this is a big chunk of his life and he, he needs to possibly, I'm, I'm interpreting his, his motives there, but, you know, he by this yeah. is an act. He's, he's, this is an act of kind of like, this is what I've lost kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. and it's difficult, but I definitely think like grief counselling is a really good yeah. thing to go through because mm. I mean, obviously the grief part isn't <laughs> the yeah. death that preceded that. Obviously not, but the, you know, it, it is good to be able to try to keep a track on what you're feeling and, and how it meshes in so many different parts of your life. And, mm. you know, because it, it is a constantly evolving process. Some parts feel better after time and some parts, unfortunately... They don't. No, but don't. after a while, I mean, when there's a when there's a gap, and when you can handle it, and you and like I've been through that, and you're going through all this stuff, and going, oh God, I didn't know they still had this, or yeah, I didn't yeah, know they had this yeah, at all, yeah. and all sorts of interesting other memories come up as a result. Yeah, of that, and, that, and that in that in the right time can it's be nice, an amazingly good, positive. Yeah, thing. Yeah. and also it can be lovely to I would imagine to bring up your own kids in the house that you grew up in. Yeah, you know where you can share with them. This is where I did this, or this is where we used to have this, or you know the garden things that might have been planted a long time ago by his parents and all that. So it could give his children a really vivid sense of who his parents were, particularly as, as we're assuming that they died quite young and so therefore the children, his children are still Didn't, quite young. Yeah. You know? uh, a yeah. few comments on that. Evie says it's hard but it's important for him to try to move on. It's not healthy for him to continue like that. I'd advise that lady to gently encourage her husband to just make a small start taking on the room and that might help him yeah. uh, to begin the process at all. <laughs> Uh, uh, Lucy says my husband was extremely close with his mother who passed away in the last two years he clung on to every single thing from her house just to hold on to a reminder of her I encouraged him to pass on some of those items onto our kids uh, and nieces and uh, and nephews Uh, so he's comforted by the fact that they're still in the family and it's helping him to let go a bit more grief is always a gradual process Um, and the main thing is just to be there as support Uh, Adele says God love him does he spend much time in the room a form of PTSD after my father died I love sleeping in his room I always feel so happy in the home house luckily he died in his 70s and we were expecting it I do like to see my ma at least once a month because she brought me into the world I'm very aware that if anything happens to her both my parents would be gone Mm. uh, says Adele (laughs) That's interesting. The people that were light on something else. Uh, uh, Showing them around the house. Yes. (laughs) Can't believe people still show others around the home. (laughs) I remember around 10 years ago, I called into someone's house for the first time and they showed me around everywhere, even the ensuite, and pointed out the damp in the corner. I thought at that stage that that practice had stopped. I really thought it would be gone by now. I was going to highlight that then I thought, I'm going to get lambasted if I say that. But it is true because normally people come into it's like the kitchen bit yeah you know. exactly oh yeah. you have a lovely glass yeah. box in the back of yeah. your house and that's it really yeah, that's, exactly, yeah. that's all you'll get that's right anyway next question my boss smells of alcohol most days she functions pretty well in her job but I've noticed recently that she's a little unkempt and has developed a slight tremor in her hands our daily meeting in the office are now an ordeal because the smell of st- 
stale booze is almost overwhelming. She tries to cover it with breath mints, but just <laughs> that makes it more stark. I'm worried for her, but she's a very private person and I don't want to offend her and make her feel that I'm crossing a line, especially as I'm currently competing with another colleague for an upcoming promotion, which she will decide. I just don't know how to approach this issue. Well, well, I mean, it sounds more like also she doesn't brush her teeth in the morning. I mean, that would be a basic thing. Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, if this person is dealing with some alcohol um, issue, you know, obviously other things happening there. Um, look, this is, a, this is a, for me, this is quite, this is just one of those ones where you just go step away from this issue. Bernadette because there's a lot of assumptions going on there about what's actually happening and in the workplace particularly when it's somebody who's higher up than yeah. you in the in the thing it just does not make any sense to be interfering into an issue where you have no real business being in there and there's no real evidence either you know because unfortunately within, within work the issues for work should be about work related yes. issues mm. yep. yeah. that's where that's when you come up that's when you, you comment that's when yep. everything else is not your social business. interpersonal stuff not your business none of your business what people do outside the office none of your business about what way the hair or perfume exactly. or any of that stuff it's not really your business and it's a really rope you want to get into because particularly because if you get her back up and she's higher up the chain than you it's going to stymie and screw up your own career yeah. over something that you could have avoided now obviously you know there are issues around alcoholism and alcohol abuse and dependency and all that kind of stuff but it's not your business it's not no I totally agree I don't think she should say anything and and I mean you know from what she's told us, the boss functions well at her job. It's mm-hmm. not like she's, you know, making a, a hames of things in work. And the fact that she's a little unkempt and has a tremor in her hands, like, is really, as you say, not her business. Absolutely not her business. I'm not sure why she told us at the end that she's currently competing with another colleague for an upcoming promotion. <laughs> like, I mean, that really has nothing to she do with it. She wants of applause. Oh, no, because yeah, Mrs. Shaky Hands is going to uh, decide, decide that yeah. Yeah, exactly. So is she looking for us to say, yeah, you should intervene and be like her best buddy? Like, and then you, she's more likely to promote you. But or that's why irrelevant. Would, <laughs> what? But it's irrelevant yeah. anyway. I know it's, it's not, irrelevant. That's not the core competencies but I don't think she thinks, I don't think she thinks it's irrelevant. Yeah. I think she thinks, you know, maybe this is a way, I don't know. Because the only problem I can see is that the, 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 the meetings, the staff meetings or whatever she said that they have every week um, are a bit, or what did she say, an ordeal because of the, the, the smell of booze is overwhelming. We'll open the window, Bernadette, yeah. and keep the doors open. Like yeah. COVID is a great... Uh, cover Reason, for yeah, you know yeah. making sure there's plenty of ventilation um, but that's the only problem you have other than that you don't have a problem and that applies to any of those problems whether it's somebody's BO or anything like that it, it, it's yeah. the kind of it's the deflector thing you just yeah. come into the room innocent as pine go there's an awful smell in here it's really stuffy or whatever yeah, and then yeah. open the window and let them work it out for themselves exactly that's the thing but back off somebody's personal yeah, life as you say yeah, not your business Bernadette yeah. Yeah. <laughs> plus also this woman presumably also has a boss and, and if it is a concern in the office, up to that boss yeah. to kind of intervene there. Yeah. And exactly. they'll be, if they're a good boss, they'll be going softly, softly around that kind of thing anyway. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right, you are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We do have to take a break after that. Uh, somebody wants uh, to move in with their partner, but there's an issue about sleeping in separate beds. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Barbara and Declan are still with us. Uh, we've addressed a couple of questions. One about uh, a, a man who's uh, and his partner and kids. They've moved into 
uh, the house of his late parents, but uh, he's reluctant to actually use the bedroom that they slept in. And uh, so they're a bit cramped for space now and years have gone by. Uh, Anne-Marie says maybe the wife should reassure him that there can still be mementos and photos throughout yeah. the house rather than one room held as a shrine, a healthier way to remember them and live alongside uh, the loss. Uh, Olivia says for those who have lost loved ones and want to uh, know what to do with the clothing, I recreate them into keepsakes, teddy bears or cushions, and people get, get great comfort, uh, says Olivia. And uh, in relation to uh, the boss, who may have a, a drink issue, uh, one texter says, may I point out that her boss may have health issues that uh, she is unaware of. Indeed, yeah. uh, uh, that's a fair point. Now, I have been dating my partner for about a year, and we started talking about moving in together. The problem is... He wants us to have separate beds. I wondered why he would rarely stay the night with me. And he told me it's because I'm quite a heavy snorer. He can't deal with it as he needs a good night's sleep to be able to function at work. He wants us to have a two bed place. While financially we are lucky that that would be within our remit. I think it's a bit of a joke. I can't help snoring and it's ridiculous that he thinks separate beds are a solution. What should I do? (laughs) <laughs> well, find stop your... snoring would be one thing. But... <laughs> or find yourself a boyfriend who snores too. Uh, <laughs> Instead of this one, worked for us. Uh, both still happily snoring our heads off. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem here is that, like, the, the solution that the boyfriend has come up with sounds way too practical to me for a couple who are still in the kind of honeymoon stages of their relationship. Uh, and that would be a red flag to me. <laughs> I mean, I know the snoring is an issue and all. But like, he's like an old granny saying, yeah, no, I need to get my full night's sleep, love. And your yeah. story is keeping me awake. So I think you should have a bedroom over there and I'll have a bedroom over here. That to me, there's something wrong there. There's really something wrong there. Uh, that would be a big red flag. So uh, if, if I mean, you're obviously into this guy. You've been dating him for a year. Um, I would suggest two things. I would suggest if you're going to move in together, by all means, get a two bedroom. So there's a spare room. So rather than you both for have rise. separate rooms, but you, you have you share a bedroom. But if he's got a heavy day at work or your snores are particularly bad and he's not getting used to it, well, then one or other of you can take a hike into the spare room. But not having two separate rooms, I don't think that's a great healthy idea at that stage in your relationship. Um, The other thing is, if you're seriously worried about your snoring, um, you know, that it is impacting on your relationship, I'm sure, you know, you could maybe take a trip to the GP or try to identify what it is when your snoring is worse. I mean, normally it's after a few drinks that people snore more than they do normally. Mm. You know, is it when you're lying on your back and then, you know, using cushions of that, you can keep yourself on your side. Uh, I don't know, maybe if your GP could help. Um, but I think the idea of moving into an apartment and having two separate bedrooms is... It's way too practical. <laughs> it's just very odd. It's not a, it's not yeah. a great start. It's it not must be great. said. No, no. I was getting vibes of like Tennessee Williams' cat in a hot tin roof, where like you know Shut one of them is the drinking and snoring, and the other one is, you know, <laughs> wistfully thinking about their old college football friend. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm not saying this is what's happening here. No, but I am but saying I do agree with you, Barbara. That there's, there's definitely we're agreeing a lot today. Compatibility this is a very issues. strange experience <laughs> that we're agreeing. I'm sorry about that. I'll change that next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's compatibility. This is one of those ones where, for rights or for wrongs, he, the the partner who was suggesting the twin beds, the kind of living in a Rock Hudson, um, you know, movie <laughs> scenario, um, yeah. uh, you know, has one perspective on the world and you have a different one. And does that mean there's a lack of passion? There's a, you know, I don't know, but um, it does mean that you've got a compatibility issue. And that's something that's meant to come up in the first stages of, of your relationship. So unfortunately, you can often find yourself in relationships where somebody 
ticks a lot of the boxes, but they just don't tick some of the others. And those problems can grow over time and then they become these famous irreconcilable differences that you hear about the Hollywood movie stars getting divorced over. So I I would see this, like you, as a red flag. It seems kind of relatively innocuous and even the way that the letter is written, it seems like, you know, I don't think so. And I just wonder why, like, is there something else going on in the background? In other words, is he's obviously renting a place at the moment and she's renting a separate place. I wonder, is he coming to the end of his lease? Is he worried, you know... Because it sounds to me that this is like a flat sharing or a roommate kind yeah, of situation yeah, exactly. more than very... I love you very much. And, you know, I'd like us to maybe take things to the next level. But you can have that. But no, that, you know, this, as you say, they don't that those two, the narratives don't match up here at all. Unless, you know? unless these people are like much older and, you know, I don't I don't know. There's something about this yeah. scenario like about that 60 seems or 70. joyless. It yeah. seems like, you know, there's no excitement. Yeah. It's so far that's... too practical. And so I, I get it. You know, there's nothing like somebody interrupting your sleep to make you like right. some people get really cranky and some people can't afford to have that energy at work the next day. I understand that. But like you say, there's ways around that. Like, you know, yeah. I love you, honey, but tonight I'm not sleeping in the bed yeah, exactly. as opposed to, you or know, not three times you want to come in. Things. Even the way they phrased it, I wondered why he would rarely stay the night with me. And he told me it's because I'm quite a heavy snorer. That implies like this, that he wasn't staying the night for a long time. And yeah. then eventually there was a big reveal. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, no, it's all well, a bit weird. Is he a priest? <laughs> he's looking for a housekeeper. That's what he's looking for. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Go on. <laughs> I think you've nailed it. I think that's that's your problem. That's it. He's that's a priest. It. Yes. yes. Uh, someone says you can get a snore ring that you put on every night on your little finger. It applies pressure and does magic stuff that stops you snoring. I used one, and now I don't snore much. Sorry, what? Hello. You put a ring on your little finger, finger and you yeah. stop snoring. Yeah. Yeah. A special magic rig. Yeah, but my mother could wake the house up with her snoring when we visited. She got one and it stopped. You can get them at pharmacies. Okay. Yeah, I've seen them. I thought they were too magical to be real. I know you could get something yeah. you put on your nose. No, there's a plaster. You, yeah, you kind of there's a big contraption you can yeah. stick in your nose. But like, whoa, but there, I'm not having seen... sex now. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that you, Margaret? <laughs> yeah, but the only thing is, I'd say they'd be awake when they're having sex. <laughs> so she wouldn't be snoring. <laughs> yes, I would hope so. Yeah, uh, now you're into consent. <laughs> yes. Uh, most nights I have to prod my boyfriend to stop snoring. I definitely find it makes me crankier if the snoring keeps me up all night. I totally get where that man is coming from. They will have a better relationship as a result. Uh, says Emer, there are couples who like have separate rooms and they say it works really well for them. They're generally though older, aren't they? The ge- I, I, I think I said this before in this programme before. I read once about this wealthy couple who had, they had a sharing room that they went into yeah. for their amorous activities and they both had Great. their own bedrooms and they seemed to think it was really good for their relationship. And you can kind of see, but it's, the idea was that when, you know, let's call it the amorous activities were 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 intended, that somebody would invite somebody else. It's a fierce big house if you had your yeah. getting together room and okay, two separate well, rooms. You'll have to build well. an extension. But the, but, but the point, though, is that if they've got the separate rooms, you know the way if you sleep together half the time, you know, you are half awake when you're yes. having sex, you know, it's yes. kind of nudging the back job. Any, oh, Except this is more of a, you know... Uh, a performance, so to speak, you know, yeah. so it's better, and and it's and it's and and according to the person, but it also takes spontaneity out of sex. Like you know what I mean? If you're both good, to, really. you have to make oh. a kind. Of, no, but if you're both in separate rooms and you have to kind of make a plan, do you know. 
Well, that's true. But Rather than if you're both, as you say, half asleep. In front of the that's TV. what Google Calendar is for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. you have an invitation. That's where I'm going wrong. There's a very mixed feelings here uh, about this thing. Yeah. Uh, having married a snorer of 36 years, I've lived sleep deprived while he sleeps beautifully. Saying there is an issue in the relationship and a red flag warning is ridiculous okay. as we're still very happy. Two bedrooms is a wonderful compromise and the solution to a long marriage. Wish we had done it. Uh, somebody else says I use the spare room when my partner snores often I hear him snoring from the, up the hall it's horrendous <laughs> I have found that this has meant our sex life has taken a big hit though it's a shame uh, that that's the result so maybe warn your listener to be wary of that potentially happening uh, Gordon says my missus snores like a trumpet earplugs work for me it also means I never hear the dogs when they need to go out <laughs> during the night uh, it's a win-win uh, really uh, if you can't sleep because of snoring there is nothing worse uh, what are you supposed to do? Uh, a lie, uh, a lie awake there all night. I have the same problem and love my wife. Can't reveal my name for understandable reasons. Twin beds. This man is 100% right. He's saying, I love you, but if sharing a bed with you means I'll never get a night's sleep again, then I'll end up but presenting you. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not twin room. beds. They're talking about separate rooms. rooms. Yes, I mean, yeah. my, pro- my point was, no, you know, keep that you both share one bedroom. And if it gets too much on any given night, one of you, whoever goes in and sleeps in the spare room. But to have two separate bedrooms, I think, is... But would it not be, though, potentially that it ends up becoming something that you do regularly the and then it's like, well, I'm doing up the spare room because that's now my bedroom and then it becomes de facto separate rooms. I mean, like, I agree with a lot of people. You know, I apparently snore. I can't believe I have a flaw, but apparently I snore. Yeah. Um, and it has definitely caused kind of sleepless nights for Andrew. But, um, you know... I have had my night's sleep interrupted by other things in my house and whenever that happens I go mad too so I, I can imagine it mm. must be awful. The answer is again to anybody out there imagine find ring. somebody who snores as well. Both of us snore happily along together <laughs> yeah. and uh, doesn't Matt, bother uh, Matt in Tipperary points out that his ex-wife was a snorer. Oh, so, there you go Matt. I'm very close with a dear friend of mine who I've known for 30 years. He's been married to her husband for five years I'll admit I've always found him attractive and have joked about uh, this with both of them. In the past few years, though, I've noticed her husband openly flirting with me when she steps away from the conversation. He regularly tells me how gorgeous I am and he's getting more and more suggestive. His wife would be devastated if she knew. I'm kind of intrigued by his forwardness, but I don't know what to say in case I'm just reading too much into it. How should I deal with it? How should I deal with it? There's nothing going on there. I mean, like the reality of it, this is one of these ones we've had before. We've had a similar kind of a thing with a friend and, you know, fancies the friend's husband, wife, spouse, whatever. Um, Look, this is not about the husband's behaviour. This is about your own behaviour. You're the one who brought up the the issue of attractiveness to them. You open that door and now you're shocked that that's the kind of level that it's at. If you... Oh, you shocked by what I'm saying? Yeah. Why? It's chauvinistic, I think. It's carry not. on. No, carry How on. Is it chauvinistic? Because you're saying it's her, her fault, not his fault. He's the one who's married. She's the one who starts the conversation and says, yeah. I find you attractive. And then he's going but back he's saying, I find the... you attractive too. No, I'm going off on it. But I mean, he's the one who's, who's uh, getting more and more suggestive, not her. But what does that mean? Like, what is he saying? Like, oh, you know, you know, you look well, lovely. He assumes so. And, and well, he tells her how gorgeous she is. That's yeah. it. That's all. Well, she said, That's what yeah, we know. he said he regularly tells me how gorgeous she is. He's getting more and, and more suggestive. And his wife would be devastated if she knew. So his behaviour is equally 
she if not more unless I'm misreading this situation really badly it seems to me like she is giving this situation permission by not shutting it down with the you look gorgeous I tonight I yes. know or yeah you know you don't have to be all Miss Prim I don't think you should be talking to me like that with a wedding ring on your finger Brian but you can say <laughs> you know you look gorgeous yeah I know and then just move on and you know shut down but there's something about this frisson that she is enjoying. I'm kind Absolutely. of intrigued by his forwardness. Absolutely. What does that mean? That means you're like kind of into it. And so therefore, you know, you can't be, that's all I meant by that. I'm saying yeah. you can't be shocked that something's happening if you like it and you're giving it space. Yes, no, I agree. I totally agree with that. And I think that's the most important sentence in the whole thing is I'm kind of intrigued by his forwardness. <laughs> it's almost like she's looking for us to go, you know what, yeah, sure, yeah. go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's Oh, lovely. he definitely loves you more than ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, going, no. he's not only married, he's married to a dear friend of hers. So, yeah. you know, there's no way this is going to end in anything other than, you know, absolute volcano of yes. of, distru- of distress if she pursues it or, or encourages it even further. And I think there is a, uh, an argument for her discouraging it. I, I take your point. His behaviour, I think, is, all, is, is out of line completely. But she did open the door and she seems to like it. And I'm sure if she's telling us that she's intrigued by it, he's fully aware of the fact that she's intrigued by it so she does need but I think there is a case for her being prim and proper and saying back off there Brian yeah, but that, you're married to me mate but that that, the only is that that behaviour doesn't seem like it's going to come from somebody who's intrigued by his forwardness no 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 but that's if what, she was horrified by his but that's what we're to of tell her here to do okay, okay right, then, right. Please, to tell her go ahead and do it <laughs> no, no I'm telling her she's not she's to do the prim and proper now okay. Brian you know what I mean back it up and obviously the way to do that is but is that repeat. what she wants though because why, why would she have included it's a sentence not, I'm intrigued yeah, by this exactly it's not what she wants but I'm telling her doesn't yeah. matter how intrigued you are if you want to hold on to your friendship and be a decent person you cut this off and you stop it and the way to do it maybe is not to go never die and you're not to be saying anything like that to me with your ring on your finger is to repeat whatever he said as soon as the wife comes back into the room that'll put a stop to it that's, yeah that's shady and fabulous and I love it but I think ultimately <laughs> though she wrote her letter in it's shady and fabulous and I love yeah, it yeah. Yeah, like a lamp yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I think I think really what this woman wanted to hear was that she wasn't responsible in some way for what's going on. I'm just calling her out on her duplicity. That no, you're kind right of, to call her out. Know, I'm calling her out on that. He's obviously a, you know a sentient adult and who has, as you pointed out, possibly I don't know if she, this woman's married as well, but she definitely has responsibilities to his wife. She has responsibilities to her friends. So. The thing still boils down to she can only really control her own behaviour and her behaviour is enabling his flirtatious behaviour. So she needs to either reveal her true horror as a friend. And but there act. is no true horror. She's not got no true horror. She's yeah. very intrigued by it. Yeah, so she has oh, yeah no, no, but I, mean, I mean, reveal her true, her, her nastiness as a friend <gasps> and act on her, oh, her, her intrigue. Oh, her or else she just recognises her responsibilities to, to everybody in the picture is to just shut the whole thing the down. Answer them, Declan? That she should just like shut it down. Stop. She doesn't have to act prim, as I said, but she can actually take his flirtation and shut that down each time it happens. However, she chooses to do that. Underrated. (laughs) Everybody acted more prim, we'd be much better off. Right. Okay. Uh, I want to take this opportunity to unreservedly (laughs) apologise to Brian. News Talk would like to distance itself uh, from Barbara and Declan's comments uh, about poor old Brian. Uh, You have been listening to Barbara Scully and Declan Patriarchy Buckley. Uh, Thank you very very much. (laughs) You are listening to the Mark Grieve Show and you. We're going to take a break back in a couple of minutes. 
Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.